welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us talking, get us exploring new thoughts in new ways, and get us connected. We're also here to think about how we can be challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. Our show today is part of our In Our Own Voice series, where Connections co-produces with community partners. This show continues our series of Jewish voices, and our co-producing partner is the Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas. Our co-producer for our Jewish Voices series is Anthony Sussman, and a big thank you for all of his coordination. Steve Honigs is an executive direct is the executive director of the Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas, and he is my co-host today. Welcome, Steve. Thank you, Lori, and thank you to Dan for all of his assistance and to the entire station. We're proud to participate in our own voice and partner with AM950. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Now, you serve on a committee, the Collaborative Legal Communities Coalition, and that's a committee that honors Elias Clayton, Elmer Jackson, and Isaac McGee, who were African-American circus workers who were lynched about 100 years ago in Duluth. That is true, and uh, I'm really a member of the committee and play a subordinate role in its activities, so this is a perfect time to introduce our guest, Lori, and two wonderful guests who have critical leadership role in the CLCC's work and proceedings and the like. And first introduction is Chief Judge John Thunheim of the Federal District of Minnesota. He's convened the CLCC uh, committee, and he'll tell us a little bit more about his responsibilities as the Chief Judge of the Federal District of Minnesota. I had the pleasure, on a personal note, of serving under Chief Judge Thunheim when he was the Chief Deputy Attorney General of the State of Minnesota during the time of Skip Humphrey, and I was a lawyer in the Consumer Division. That was from 1990 to 1995, so I'm proud to say that our friendship and working relationship goes back more than a generation. Also, another one of our committee leaders is with us today, Jerry Blackwell. Uh, Jerry is a name partner in the Blackwell and Burke Law Firm, a distinguished and respected attorney in Minnesota and throughout the nation. He took the leadership role uh, the driving ore, you might say, in the work, and it was voluminous work and difficult work in making the application and securing the posthumous pardon for Max Mason in conjunction with his law partner, Corey Gordon. So there's so much that we can discuss, uh, all the activities of the committee, the Max Mason pardon, you know, where this sort of fits in in, this, in history and the like. Uh, but perhaps we should start, Laurie, if this is okay, with both a uh, little bit of background from Judge Tunheim and then from Jerry Blackwell, and that will help us frame up our discussion for today. Does that make sense? Absolutely. There's a lot of people that have really no context. They have no uh, knowledge of, of this uh, incident, and I, I'm grateful for you all to bring this to our attention and to share with our audience today. So maybe I'll start by turning it over to our Chief Judge, Judge Tunheim. Well, thank you, Steve, and thank you, Lori, and uh, it's a pleasure to be with you this morning to talk about this very, very important uh, issue. Uh, we decided uh, well over a year ago that uh, we wanted to make sure that the legal community in Minnesota, the broad legal community throughout the state, was fully engaged and involved in uh, a greater understanding of the horrific event that occurred 100 years ago last June, as you mentioned, the three African-American circus workers who were brutally lynched. They were victims of racial terror. And it was something that a lot of people in Minnesota didn't really know very much about. Uh, certainly, many of the lawyers in Minnesota had no real knowledge of this event. I grew up in Minnesota and uh, studying history as a child. Uh, there was no mention of this event. Uh, it was hidden for a long time, uh, which is uh, really uh, dreadful. Uh, it compounded the terror of the event, the fact that it was hidden and it was a secret uh, for so many years. So we decided to work together with the legal community to try to make sure that we shone as much of a light as possible on uh, the event 
and its implications for the rule of law in Minnesota and uh, elsewhere. Uh, we've uh, worked in, over the last year with uh, lawyers uh, such as Jerry Blackwell and, uh, and many others, the bar associations, the federal court, the state courts, the attorney general's office, the governor's office. We've had law enforcement participation as well uh, in an effort to make sure that, uh, that we really focused on, on what we needed to learn from the lynchings 100 years ago. And of course, the anniversary was June 15th of 2020. We weren't able to do the programming on site because of the pandemic, but we plan to do that next June. Uh, and uh, a programming that uh, focuses on uh, moving forward, understanding what happened, realizing it, keeping it in mind, but moving forward and making sure that the rule of law uh, is predominant here because the rule of law prevents things like this happening. And uh, we also wanted to make sure that not only the Minnesota legal community was energized and, and understood and uh, was knowledgeable about what happened, but we also wanted to make sure that young people know what happened and, uh, and, and take important lessons from it. And finally, uh, I think it's important to note that we wanted to uh, really honor the three innocent men who were victims of racial terror and others who were caught up in it, such as Max Mason, who was uh, unfairly uh, convicted of rape uh, in a legal proceeding that doesn't meet uh, anyone's standards of the rule of law. And uh, Jerry can talk more about that, but we were pleased to be in a supportive role to make sure that uh, the state issued its first posthumous pardon of Mr. Mason, even though it's many years after the event, 100 years ago to be uh, precise, uh, we felt it was important to correct that uh, horrendous wrong. So we've been working over the past year. I should also say that we work closely with the Equal Justice Institute in Montgomery, Alabama, which is a tremendous facility, a uh, tremendous organization that has focused the country on racial terror uh, that uh, we now know occurred here, uh, just as it occurred in uh, many parts of the South, where uh, I think most people thought that occurred. It occurred in Duluth, Minnesota as well, and we're all responsible. Uh, so that's really what we've tried to do. We're looking forward to next June for programming that's going to occur on the date, and we're, we're hoping that uh, we can replicate what we had planned to do this year but was postponed because of the pandemic. I was noticing on the application for the posthumous uh, pardon extraordinary uh, the conviction date was November 27th, 1920. So we're just, you know, a few weeks away from an exact hundred years ago uh, of the conviction date. And very good. That's an excellent point, Laurie. Uh, Jerry, Mr. Blackwell, maybe you can give us some opening perspective here. That'd be terrific. Well, thank you, Steve, and, and, uh, and good morning also to Laurie and to uh, Chief Judge. Uh, being able to uh, serve with the others on the Collaborative Legal Community Coalition has been probably, for me, uh, the most rewarding sort of collaborative community effort I've been involved in in my 30-plus you know, years uh, in the practice. It's just been very inspiring. Uh, it, and my interest in the subject started when my uh, partner, Corey Gordon, and I were sitting around thinking, really, what, what good can we do? Uh, what project might we be able to take on and get involved in? Uh, that might help to um, to bring some uh, better awareness uh, in the legal community general general on an issue that matters, and help to improve the community. And uh, and we arrived at uh, the hundred year anniversary of the lynching in Duluth uh, for all the reasons that uh, Chief Judge Thunheim just uh, the, spoke to, and uh, and also uh, seeking the pardon of the only uh, person convicted of this uh, fictitious rape, uh, a young man, uh, Max Mason. Uh, we figure that in addition to the uh, the critical importance of the rule of law, uh, there aren't too many concepts or principles in our society more important than equal justice under the law. And we we felt that to bring a, an action uh, for posthumous pardon for Max Mason would first and foremost help to clear his good name, uh, given uh, the, the process uh, uh, for justice, the tainted justice that he had received. Uh, we thought it would be good also uh, to obtain a posthumous pardon for the general public good, 
that that it's good for the public to be reminded of the importance of equal justice and rule of law uh, today and always. Uh, and uh, and then finally, we felt this issue would help to bring about some reconciliation, not just in Duluth, but in the state of general. It, it, in the state of general, it, it seemed uh, as though it was a sort of issue that uh, was uh, put under a rug. Um, although the number of participants and attendees at the lynchings was just extraordinary for even 1920, uh, 100,000 or so, you know, persons there. Uh, and and we, we felt that uh, this ought to be uh, brought forward, um, reintroduced, so that we might be able to learn the lessons from it that, uh, that might uh, apply and make us better even today. When I read through the application, um, it was tough to read. I mean, it, it, it unveils a lot of um, racial discrimination. Uh, here are six black circus workers who um, were accused of uh, – wrongly, wrongly accused of raping a woman. And the uh, – how this escalated after uh, – folks were able to prove that they weren't there. It wasn't even they, – they weren't even – it couldn't have possibly happened. And why the emotions were raised that led to people being lynched. I mean, we we just don't know that in Minnesota that we lynched people after being wrongly accused, and that we need to own that history and um, look at it squarely, and and accept that we have a stain. And 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 I'm so appreciative of the work that you're doing, Lori. Just so we keep on track here. We're in this virtual radio space here, so yep. reminding all of us and our listeners that maybe in our first segment we'll have our background material. Maybe in our second segment we'll drill down a little bit into the CLCC sure. activities. They're very they're varied and interesting, and we'll want to make sure that the listening audience has some idea of what's approaching in the coming year. You know, thirdly, we want to explore even more deeply the Max Mason pardon. Jerry can talk about what it was like and the to uh, argue in front of the pardons board for Minnesota and just the momentous history associated with it. And then there are probably other topics that we want to discuss. So I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page here and what we want to accomplish. Uh, maybe one way to frame this up, uh, Jerry just mentioned uh, equal justice under law, the 14th amendment. If you go to the United States Supreme court building, of course, there atop the building the portico is uh words equal justice under law if you go into the federal building where our federal courts are housed in minneapolis in the diana murphy federal court building in the atrium it also says equal justice under law and the 14th amendment was ratified july 1868 so not long ago we commemorated celebrated the 150th commemoration of the 14th amendment and in particular it states nor shall any state deny to any person within within its jurisdiction equal protection of the laws so this brings it Run home, you know, the, the lynching in Duluth that uh, was sort of the ultimate miscarriage and violation of the 14th Amendment because three gentlemen, innocent gentlemen, of course, were lynched without any semblance of due process by a mob. And if there's any more grotesque violation of the 14th Amendment or any of our standards of civilization and the law, it is just that incident. And that puts in sharp relief why we're involved in these activities via the CLCC, why the chief judge of the federal district has convened this committee and there's a distinguished panel of members of the committee who are working so hard so that we don't repeat these mistakes into the future and learn from our past. So I just wanted to make sure that this was all before us as we enter into this discussion. Absolutely. And I think it's important that uh, that we have a variety of voices that are supporting this. And I, I commend um, the Jewish Community Relations Council of, of um being part of this and stepping to the plate and also uh, supporting with letters and support uh, of this uh, pardon. Yes. I mean, you, you tell us, Lori, when you want to go from segment to segment, otherwise we'll just continue. Okay? Actually, we're, you're, you're perfect timing there. <laughs> okay. We're just about to go to uh, commercial. Uh, but again, uh, thank you to you all for sharing uh this perspective, giving us a, a sense of foundation of the issues that are involved. We'll be right back. And in, and as um, Steve mentioned, we'll be talking more in the second segment about the commemorative activities of the CLCC 
and the Duluth Committee and the role of the Equal Justice Initiative. So stay with us. We'll be right back after just a few short commercials. Are you ready to join the revolution and make an impact? Are you looking for a way to invest in handmade stories created by artists in your local communities? Well, ACW, which stands for Art to Change the World, is presenting to you a new way we give called SWAP. SWAP stands for Stand with Artists Project. It is a registry where you can purchase from local artists who get 100% of the profits. I am Bianca Dawkins, ACW's new social media coordinator and game changer. ACW is a platform for all, and we want you to join the family. You can do that today for just only $10. My call to action for you is to shift your thinking towards supporting anyone you deem a creative who is changing the world. Uplift those human stories and spread the love. Go to arttochangetheworld.org and follow us. That's arttochangetheworld.org. When you need legal assistance, let the Minnesota Lawyer and Referral Information Service help you find the right attorney. It's a new and enhanced program of the Hennepin and Ramsey County Bar Associations. They have professional, experienced referral counselors who can connect you to vetted attorneys practicing in employment law, divorce, bankruptcy, DUI, and much more. Take the stress out of finding a lawyer. Call 612-752-6699 or go to mnlawyerreferral.org. The right call for the right lawyer. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Hi, this is Chad from AM950. With the recent round of storms that came through the Twin Cities, some of you may have sustained damage to your roofing, siding, or windows. Call Snap Construction, the company we trust, to see if you sustain damage. Snap Construction is arguably the most well-reviewed roofing, siding, and window company in the metro. Ryan, how are you able to help people that may have had damage from these storms? Well, Chad, with experience, we've helped thousands of Minnesotans with their storm damage claims. If you suspect your home has damage or was denied in the past, give us a call for your free inspection. It can take up to a year for hail and wind damage to reveal itself. The insurance process can be complicated. We make it easy. We use the same costing software that all insurance companies rely on. As always, we stand behind our work with a lifetime craftsmanship guarantee. Don't wait. Call us for your free estimate or inspection today. 612-333-SNAP. 612-333-SNAP. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad you've made the connection and are with us today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. Our show today is part of our In Our Own Voices series, where Connections co-produces with our community partners. This show continues our series of Jewish Voices, and our co-producing partner is the Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas. Our co-producer for our Jewish Voices series is Anthony Sussman. A big thank you for his coordination. And Steve Hunnigs, Executive Director of the Jewish Community's Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas, is my co-host. Welcome, Steve. So glad you're here today. Thanks again, Laurie. And as you say, Minnesota, North Dakota, and South Dakota, I like to say 225,000 square miles of paradise. So it's a real honor uh, to represent <laughs> our communities and no greater honor than being here today with uh, Chief Judge John Schoenheim and Jerry Blackwell, one of the most distinguished members of our local bar and statewide bar and national bar and the like. And we're about to start talking about some of the activities of the CLCC, but I thought I'd broach this topic and then have a, a response from both the judge and Jerry, and that is, you know, most people looking at the federal court will appreciate the fact that what comes before the court are criminal and civil matters that are appropriately anchored in federal jurisdiction. Yet here the court is, in this major outreach effort involving the 1920 Duluth lynching. Uh, so it might be interesting to our listeners to find out how it is that we find ourselves in this place. And maybe I'll start us off with a quote, and it's from Martin Luther King Jr., and he says, Education must enable one to sift and weigh evidence, 
to discern the true from the false, the real from the unreal, which interestingly often corresponds with the obligations of the court when it sits in its uh, sort of fact-finding mode. But I'll start with the chief judge, and maybe you can, judge, tell us a little bit about the philosophy and why it is the court is engaged in these activities. And Jerry, from your perspective, as one of the leading members of the bar, why it's important for the federal court to be so involved. Well, thank you, Steve. And let me just say that our court for many years has been doing outreach to schools, to young people. Uh, many of our judges uh, speak in many uh, different uh, to many different audiences around the state. You know, I think it's important for people to understand the courts, to understand the importance of the rule of law. Um, you know, what happened in Duluth 100 years ago was the rule of the mob. It was really the opposite of the rule of law. And that's something that is uh, horrible for all of us to, to even think about. And that's why this subject is good for the court and all of our many partners to be working on. Uh, because we need to understand these issues. We under, need to understand equal justice. And I might add that uh, it's really been a, a great pleasure to work with the Equal Justice Initiative uh, in Montgomery, Alabama as well. Uh, they produced uh, a, a lot of very good materials. They really have documented, I think, over 4,000 lynching victims uh, in America, with many more really to be discovered. And they've been an excellent partner for the court. Uh, in uh, helping us put together materials that we use to uh, make sure young people in particular uh, know our history and know the importance of the rule of law, understand what the court system is there for, what the court system does day in and day out. Uh, I think that uh, there, uh, in civics education, there isn't as much time for that in, in this day and age in our schools and uh, I think that's uh, that's a problem, and we're trying to fill the void. Thank you, Judge uh, Jerry. Well, I think of the uh, federal court uh, as being uh, such a central kind of part of our community. Generally, they are uh, it's a standard bearer for our highest ideals of justice, and the court itself is a bulwark against uh, the various tyrannies, mob rule. Uh, the worst instincts of uh, of, of the un unenlightened aspects of, uh, of of humanity. The court represents all of that, and and so I was pleased to see uh, the interest of uh, the chief judge, and and not only Chief Judge Thunheim, but we had members uh, from all different levels of uh, state court, including the uh, Minnesota Supreme Court, uh, various uh, magistrate judges, and other leaders from the bar that joined in as a part of this initiative for the same reason for the uh, the importance of the, the legal community itself, including the courts, uh, to uh, sort of take the hand uh, to, uh, to, to the yoke, uh, to the plow uh, of, uh, of representing uh, equal justice, the importance of the rule of law, and, uh, and to, to make a stand for that and to take this opportunity to educate the public around it. Thank you, Jerry. And maybe we'll now go in reverse order here uh, and let you start with the topic as we drill a little deeper into the activities, the commemorative activities of the CLCC. And let's start with the personality of Brian Stevenson. Of course, he's far more than a personality, civil rights advocate, subject of a movie, uh, SES, the Equal Justice Initiative in Montgomery. And you and the judge have been to Montgomery, Alabama, uh, to explore uh, what it is there, there, the museum and the learnings. And the like. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how Mr. Stevenson will fit into the commemorative activities, as well as what it was like to travel to Montgomery and actually be there in the presence of the museum? All right, I can start with that. Uh, and and I want to say too, uh, don't want to neglect to talk about the critical importance of the uh, the Minnesota Historical Society. Yeah, very and, good. In all the work that uh, that we have done, uh, they have just been so centrally involved and important in us trying to bring to light a number of, of uh, of issues uh, around the uh, incidents in Duluth, and their support has been tremendous. But the uh, the the Equal Justice Initiative, uh, which uh, created the National Memorial for Peace and Justice in in Montgomery, uh, is um, it, it's something for everybody to see if you get a if you get a chance. Uh, between 1877 and 1950, there were roughly 4,000 African American men, women, children who were uh, killed whether it's uh, hanging, lynching, burning, but by mobs, white mobs uh, in the country. And, and until uh, this memorial was uh, erected there in 2018, uh, 
there had never been a national memorial in the United States acknowledging uh, the victims of this kind of racist mob violence. And, uh, and what uh, EJI, the Equal Justice Initiative, did uh, with the National Memorial for Peace and Justice, uh, uh, the museum and then the exhibit also, is uh, they created uh, monuments that hang down from rafters uh, in, uh, in an open space, at least um, all four sides are open. And each one of these monuments that hang down uh, represent a county in the United States where a lynching uh, took place, and the names of the victims are written on the, uh, the monuments. Uh, and it's such a somber uh, place to visit. It's a, it's a sacred space. Um, and as you enter it, uh, the monuments that hang from the ceiling, uh, the floor slopes down, so they look like they're actually elevating and rising up. And it, it creates a very sort of powerful uh, feeling just walking into it as you stand there underneath these monuments hanging from the ceiling. There is one there for St. Louis County, uh, Minnesota, corresponding to the lynchings that took place in, in Duluth. And what uh, the Equal Justice Initiative and, and Brian, Stevens, Brian Stevenson have done is uh, their plan is to create duplicate memorials, uh, mementos, for each of those that are hanging there with the idea that each uh, county uh, would uh, come to claim its monument and honor it uh, back at home, so to speak. Uh, they also uh, came to each county where lynching took place uh, to remove some soil in the rough, roughly the area where the lynching took place and collect those soil kind of samples that are in jars at the museum that you can see um, just some of the dirt that was underneath the bodies, the feet of those who were murdered this way. So it's a phenomenal good work that EJI does to bring attention to equal justice, to the rule of law, uh, to the history that, that we don't have the right uh, to forget. Um, so I visit there, and I'll let uh, the, the chief uh, judge say much more about it, uh, but it was uh, very moving. Um, we uh, had the opportunity to meet with EJI to talk about our partnering with them to obtain the replica um, memorial to bring uh, back here to Minnesota, and we're still uh, planning uh, for that to occur. So I'll, I'll turn it over to the chief judge. Actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to insert here. I do need to go to break, but ugh, such a powerful story. I, I can only imagine what it feels like to see um, that memorial and and the dirt um, beneath the feet. Um, powerful, and I... I thank you so much for sharing um, your experience. We do need to go to break, but we'll come right back and we'll hear more from um, the judge, Judge John Thunheim, and uh, his reflections as well. We'll be right back after just a few short commercials. Clockwork is an experienced design and technology agency, which means they help transform businesses around the globe by connecting people, processes, and technology. They bridge the gap between marketing and technology to put people at the heart of digital solutions, transforming how your customers interact with your brand. Clockworks Technology Consulting, Experience Design, and Software Development Expertise makes them a full-service digital partner to help you design your customer experience, build an app, or connect all of your digital properties into one seamless system. If you're in need of major tech updates but aren't sure where to start, they'll help you figure that out, too. To learn more about how they've helped other businesses make digital transformation less painful, visit clockwork.com slash radio. Clockwork. Digital done right. 2020 has been stressful with the pandemic, economy, and even politics. Hi, this is Michelle Kitzmiller of Spirit of Living, and I'd like to show you some ways to lower your stress and boost immunity. One way is herbal medicine, which has many benefits you might not even know about, like helping with viral, bacterial, respiratory, digestive, and many other issues. Book a telemed session today at Spirit of Living to learn more about the many long-term benefits of herbal medicine. Call 651-245-6788 or visit spiritoflivingdr.com. Hazel's Northeast is back and offering some of the most creatively prepared comfort food you'll find. Delicious breakfast options include the slow-cooked brisket hash, chicken fried steak, and the famed drunken banana French toast. Or for lunch and dinner, there's Swedish meatballs, wild rice gumbo, and more. Hazel's Northeast is open Wednesdays through Saturdays 8 to 8 and Sundays 9 to 2. Hazel's Northeast delivers real good food. Family owned at 29th and Johnson in Minneapolis. Make your reservation now at hazelsne2go.com. 
Do you feel locked in negative cycles? It is so easy to slip into autopilot and not even realize the role we play in getting stuck in unhealthy patterns. My name is Beatrice Adenuti, and in my book, Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Barriers, I discuss thought-provoking viewpoints on approaching problems. You'll learn to unblock areas of your life that feel cluttered and enhance the God within. Through exploring seven different stories through the lens of mindless behaviors, you'll discover that changing your life and the way you perceive it will basically give you the power to change it forever. Order your copy today at www.mindless-behaviors.com and click on the book buy-in link. And as a thank you, if you pre-order your copy by October 1st, you receive a special gift. Don't miss a chance to change your life for the better. Order your copy, Mindless Behaviors, Breaking Through Unseen Barriers today. Why must the world be so cold? They've gone against what was told. Thinking rape is cool? Think about it. They think it's not wrong? Violence against women? The rape? The abuse? The emotional? Physical? They all hold the hate. Think about it. Is it right or wrong? What attracts you? I'm not saying no names, but you laugh. Talk about it like nothing is wrong? Think about it. They all hold the hate? Gotta stop the violence. Stop the hate. Think about it. Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm your host, Lori Fitz. And this show is part of our In Our Own Voices series, where Connections co-produces with community partners. This show continues our series on Jewish voices, and our co-producing partner is the Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas, also known as the Prairie Paradise. <laughs> and we've got Steve Honegs, who mentioned about how beautiful the Minnesota and North and South Dakotas are in our last segment, and I uh, agree wholeheartedly. He's the executive director of the Jewish Community Relations Council. Um, and we had to break right in the middle, uh, so I've left our audience um, on a cliffhanger, but I'll let you make the introduction, Steve. Uh, thank you. Uh, that was You can just feel the power of the scene and the power of Jerry's voice. Yes. He's describing the Equal Justice Initiative and what it's like to visit the center in Montgomery in the spirit of Brian Stevenson and everyone that flows through uh, the center. The Judge Tunheim also had an opportunity to visit and Maybe, Judge, you can tell us, give us your impressions, as well as some of the other activities of the CLCC, and maybe make a note, too, of the importance of the work. The CLCC, in a way, is a supporting entity to the Duluth Committee that is responsible for the commemorative activities for the lynching. So, Judge, with that, I'll I'll turn it over to you. Well, thank you, Steve. And I think that uh, Jerry Blackwell has well described the National Memorial for Peace and Justice. It is an incredible place. Um and in in walking through it and seeing the memorials to the victims, one can't help but reflect on the, the really the worst of our country's history, and it leaves uh, leaves you determined to do your part to make sure that we have a better future. I would hope that many people can visit this site. It's very important. I'd encourage our listeners if you are anywhere near Montgomery, Alabama, this is a must see. Uh, and it is important for uh, our entire country. And Brian Stevenson and his work has been nothing short of uh, outstanding. Uh, and uh, let me just say also about the, the work that uh, the CLCC is doing and our support of the Clayton Jackson McGee Foundation and their uh, efforts uh, in Duluth to make sure that there's an appropriate commemoration We've been working on uh, exhibits uh, uh, which will travel from uh, place to place, banners which illuminate the lynchings and rule of law issues. Uh, We've been working on a commemorative book which will focus also on the same topics, the lynchings and also rule of law issues. I might say that Steve has been instrumental in putting that book together and working closely with the Historical Society. Uh, supporting the efforts to get a pardon for Max Mason, which uh, Jerry has led, and really uh, expanding the, uh, the the number of speakers and program activities uh, in Duluth uh, on the day of the commemoration, which has been postponed until next year. We hope Brian Stevenson will be there as he planned to be there this year, 
and it was our intent to add additional national speakers to expand on the understanding of what what happened and uh, what needs to be done uh, going forward. We've also put together educational materials as part of our Open Doors program to schools and been working, uh, as Jerry said, with the EJI to get a duplicate memorial in Duluth. Uh, I think Duluth is ready for the duplicate memorial, and I think that will be a, a centerpiece of the community's efforts to make sure that people understand. And finally, uh, we worked together with EJI to get a, a marker at the very site of the lynching, which was installed in October, and it tells the story of what happened at that very site in 1920, and it puts it in the context of uh, national uh, lynchings that occurred in many other places during that era. 1919 and 1920 were among the worst years uh, for lynchings in this country, and uh, this story in Duluth is right in the center of that. Uh, so a lot of work is going on. Uh, we just want to make sure that this is something that is remembered, that the three individuals who were uh, victims of racial terror are remembered, and that uh, the rule of law uh, is our future. Thank, thank you, Judge. And to put a number on it, uh, these are souls, people's souls, of course. 61 Americans were lynched in 1920, 53 were African-Americans, and that's from the website of the University of Kansas, University of Kansas City, Missouri. So people can certainly check out that information, too. And to put a name to it, you're so correct, both gentlemen, to acknowledge the important role of the Minnesota Historical Society, starting with its uh, CEO, Kent Whitworth, and we're working very closely with Josh Leventhal and Kevin Mela and Bill Convery. And that wonderful institution is strongly supportive of all the efforts of the CLCC. Jerry, there you were. You had this moment, I believe, last June in front of the Minnesota Pardons Board to argue the case for the posthumous uh, pardon for Max Mason. What was that like? Uh, it's just extraordinary. It was uh, a very moving uh, proceeding. Uh, the Pardon Board consists of our, our uh, governor, uh, the attorney general, and the chief justice of our state Supreme Court. Uh, so this was uh, a matter of first impression for the pardon board. Uh, they had never before granted a posthumous pardon in the history of the state of Minnesota. So there was uh, quite a bit of work just uh, trying to understand how do we go about uh, this thing had, that hadn't been gone about before. Uh, but it was uh, proved to be very moving, uh, and and I certainly my hats off to uh, both uh, to the governor, to the attorney general, and to the chief justice who kind of saw their way to unanimously uh, support uh, that pardon. Uh, but but it, it took really the whole village. I mean, the, the letters of support from from the federal district court, the compliments of the chief uh, judge, uh, from the, the county attorney in Duluth, uh, from, the, from the mayor uh, of Duluth, from all of the, uh, the former living members of the, uh, the pardon board, um, in, uh, with the exception of uh, Governor Ventura, just only because they couldn't reach him in the time that we had, but they all signed up to support this. So it, it literally took the whole village. And, and, and what was so moving in this also was a bit of uh, additional history that was baked into it, because uh, the chief of police, police in Duluth now, Chief Tuscan, is the living descendant of Irene Tuscan, who was a young woman who uh, claimed rape a oh uh, hundred years uh, previously. It would have been his great aunt. And, uh, and so he testified in favor of the pardon. And it was uh, so moving because in addition to his standing up simply for what he felt was right uh, as himself a representative of the justice system as chief of police, it, it was also very personal for his family. And you could see that it was cathartic for them to be able to stand up to, to, to own that uh, and to do what right could be done with it a uh, hundred years later. And, and he did that very moving. So it, it, for me, was um, uh, was one of the most memorable things again in my my career to date. You can hear it in your joy. You can hear it in your voice, Jerry. The very vibrancy, the very poignancy, which must have uh, which must have cascaded through the moment. Right? What a what a powerful time. You know, we can't undo the horrors of 1920, but we can try as best we can to replicate some modicum of justice a century later. And, you know, thank you and the judge for being part of that 
process our lab that uh, the JCRC, along with the Cardozo Society, which is the affinity group for Jewish lawyers and judges in Minnesota, also submitted a letter in support of the pardons petition. So, yes, thank that's right. Much, thank you very much for that important step. Uh, a moment of personal privilege, perhaps here, and that is uh, the Jewish community's involvement. We can have many episodes discussing civil rights, the Jewish community, the formation, the JCRC, its work with the African American community in securing civil rights, particularly in Minneapolis after the election of Hubert Humphrey. All wonderful and important topics to discuss, but sort of bring us back to the topic at hand. I was just paging last night through John Meekham's his Truth is Marching On, John Lewis and the Power of Hope. And I just went to look up lynching to see what it is that uh, the late member of Congress and uh, the historical icon John Lewis might have had to say about lynching. And uh, there was this little this vignette. When John Lewis was four months old, an African-American gentleman named Jesse Thornton was lynched in June of 1940, not far from where it was that John Lewis infant was being raised. Charles A.J. McPherson, who was the secretary of the Birmingham branch of the NAACP, wrote, quote, these lynchings are organized and hushed up in Hitler fashion, and who knows how often. So there you have the direct connection between these lynchings and the Jewish community through the reference to Hitler. And that, of course, brings back another subject, too, and that is the, the role, the history, the tradition of the Federal District of Minnesota uh, in the time of uh, Chief Judge Michael Davis, he brought to Minnesota the Lawyers Without Rights, which was an exhibit about the fate of German Jewish lawyers and judges after Hitler came to power and the meaning of the disintegration of the rule of law. So we've had Judge Tunine, we have Judge Davis, we have the whole spirit of the uh, Minnesota Federal Court in discussing the importance, the paramount importance of the rule of law and JCRC it was great. It's a great honor to participate in the Duluth commemoration uh, commemoration as well as the lawyer without lawyers without rights exhibit you, from 2000. You know, Steve, in in uh, 1920, at the time of this uh, lynching, there was a, a small but fairly close knit Jewish community there in Duluth, and uh, there was an eight year old child then whose name was Abraham Zimmerman, uh, who lived there and uh, and had a son whose name was Robert. Uh, that uh, who <laughs> became later known as Bob Dylan, and uh, and and so Dylan uh, wrote I think one of his uh, most famous songs, uh, "Desolation Row," uh, that uh, was about the uh, the lynching in in Duluth, and and he was no doubt taught about it by his father, who would have been eight years old again at the time. So as another piece of history, kind of you know baked into this too. A remarkable. Uh... I mean, that's a whole other component we haven't discussed is in sort of the cultural mores of the time, 1920, uh, race riots. That's not even right. They talk about political terrorism or racial terrorism, as the judge alluded to, the attacks on the African-American community in the aftermath of World War One, Chicago, 1919, Tulsa, 1920, throughout the throughout the country, too. And, and the use of racial terror against African-Americans, for which lynching was one of the weapons, but not the only weapon by the way. Uh, Steve, Steve, before we uh, uh, leave the subject of the pardon behind, I just want to say that uh, Jerry and uh, Corey and the others who worked on the pardon did such a terrific job. Uh, Jerry's dedication to clearing the name of Max Mason, who now has been uh, dead for uh, probably 80 years, uh, was so eloquent, it was so convincing, uh, and it really demonstrates what a lawyer can do with broad support in the community, but also with a dedication to clearing uh, someone's name, to healing the wrongs of the past. And I just, I think I want to give Jerry a shout out on that because that was just a, a, a tremendous achievement. There is no precedent for a posthumous pardon. Uh, and uh, and it was very difficult to even find uh, descendants of Mr. Mason to, uh, to to want to participate. And so this this was a, a, a labor that was uh, was really, really terrific. And I, I just I think we should all give him a, a great amount of credit for his work. And a deep thank you to each of you in, in sharing this important um 
this important declaration of looking at what is important with equal justice initiative and an equal rights for all. Uh, a, a deep thank you to each of you in sharing um, these important history that we didn't know um, and that we're learning about and, and the courage uh, to make a difference and make changes. We do need to go to a break, but we will be right back. Um, and we'll, we'll have some summations. How's that? Steve, you, you can lead the way with um, closing thoughts um, for our audience to be considering. So we'll be right back just after um, a couple of commercials. Are you ready to join the revolution and make an impact? Are you looking for a way to invest in handmade stories created by artists in your local communities? Well, ACW, which stands for Art to Change the World, is presenting to you a new way we give called SWAP. SWAP stands for Stand with Artists Project. It is a registry where you can purchase from local artists who get 100% of the profits. I am Bianca Dawkins, ACW's new social media coordinator and game changer. ACW is a platform for all, and we want you to join the family. You can do that today for just only $10. My call to action for you is to shift your thinking towards supporting anyone you deem a creative who is changing the world. Uplift those human stories and spread the love. Go to arttochangetheworld.org and follow us. That's arttochangetheworld.org. Looking for secrets to spiritual living? Explore Ekankar's online soul adventure seminar through November 30th. Hear profound stories of the transforming power of gratitude. Enjoy workshops, music from around the world, and a keynote talk by Sri Harold Plemp, the spiritual leader of Ekankar. As soul, you have the God knowledge within you. A soul adventure can touch you at the very core of your being. At this event, you'll find techniques to enhance your spiritual practices. Raise your spiritual IQ. See how a divine power is always at work behind the scenes on your behalf. This free seminar will give you a springboard for self-discovery and expand the love and wisdom already within your heart. For more info, visit spiritualevent.org, spiritualevent.org. Clockwork is an experienced design and technology agency, which means they help transform businesses around the globe by connecting people, processes, and technology. They bridge the gap between marketing and technology to put people at the heart of digital solutions, transforming how your customers interact with your brand. Clockworks Technology Consulting, Experience Design, and Software Development Expertise makes them a full-service digital partner to help you design your customer experience, build an app, or connect all of your digital properties into one seamless system. If you're in need of major tech updates but aren't sure where to start, they'll help you figure that out, too. To learn more about how they've helped other businesses make digital transformation less painful, visit clockwork.com slash radio. Clockwork. Digital done right. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And we have had an amazing conversation uh, as we partner with uh, our community uh, partner, the, uh, the Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas. This is part of our series of Jewish Voices, and our co-producer for these uh, series is Anthony Sussman. A big thank you to you. And Steve Hunnick is our co-host. He is the executive director of the Jewish Community Relations Council of Minnesota and the Dakotas. And we have just a little over three minutes um, in our last segment here to, to share with the audience um, some takeaways. Thank you, Lori. Thank you to 950 AM. Thank you to our wonderful guests. Thank you to Anthony Sussman, my outstanding JCRC colleague. One quick note, uh, when Gideon Hausner got up to open the trial against Adolf Eichmann, he said in his opening statement that he stood there with six million people. Of course, that's a reference to those who perished in the Holocaust. And, and maybe as we go forward, and the judge and and uh, and Jerry, we're thinking about somehow we're we're all standing in the shoes of those uh, 
we're trying to commemorate those who have been lynched and the thousands of terrors and tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of African-Americans who have been terrorized over the years in, through lynching and other such weapons. And perhaps in our commemorative activities, somehow, some way, we are achieving, a achieving some justice through their memory and through such activities as the Max Mason pardon. And Jerry Blackwell and Judge John Tunham is are also part of our, our show today, and we are very grateful for your participation. If you'd like to have some closing thoughts before um, for our audience to be thinking about, we'd really appreciate that. Well, I'll go forward first and then let Jerry sum up. Um, you know, I think the message that I'd like uh, our listeners to understand is we all need to realize how quickly a community of good people can descend into the depths of the rule of the, of the mob. I'm not talking only about the horrific lynchings in St. Louis County in Duluth in 1920, but also the Holocaust and many other atrocities through time. Um, and we need to uh, be dedicated to ending discrimination everywhere. We need to support our justice system and work to make it better. You know, judges are not politicians. So we do our very best to resolve our society's disputes in a fair and impartial manner. Uh, but we always need to practice equal justice under law. And we need to always remember that that is the goal of our justice system and everyone needs to be uh, supportive of that. Thank you, Judge. Jerry. I'll just end with just a quote from uh, from James Baldwin, that, that we are responsible for understanding connections between our history and our present moment, or we remain trapped in a destructive cycle. Uh, I, I would encourage everybody to go to the website of the National Historical, I'm sorry, the Minnesota Historical Society, and look at the materials on the Duluth lynching. There's several good books out there on it as well, but to educate yourself around what happened there. And perhaps a thought from the Bible will help us conclude on this Saturday morning, beautiful Saturday morning, which says uh, the Talmud, which is the commentary in the Torah, says that uh, it's not our obligation to perfect the world, but we can't desist from the effort. So sort of in the shadow of our country's uh, more difficult side, wholesale violations of civil rights. You think about the internment of the Japanese Americans in World War II, uh, lynchings of African Americans, and all of our struggles over the years. Of course, there's been upward progress, too. And nevertheless, uh, we're inspired because we know a good deed one by one by one, customs pardon Max Mason, for example, can lead us towards a better country and towards the aspirations and goals which have been beautifully articulated today by Jerry Blackwell and Judge Chennine. So we're all in this together as we are on the eve of a presidential transition.